Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. After a long break, it seems, uh, I hope you didn't miss me too much, as much as I missed you guys, but uh, if you're wondering why it's been so long since my uh, last episode and everything like that, I don't know, it's just during this time of obviously what's going on in the world and everyone moving to online and podcasting, uh, part of me was just aggravated because of the response and I needed some time, but then it was just like, there was so much stuff out there that was, you know, podcasting and online. I just felt, you know, what's one more guy on a podcast during this time. But I really just felt the Lord, you know, correct me when it came to that, because there might be a lot of things out there on online and things that you can listen to right now, but faith is rare. And the message of faith is rare and people that walk in faith and operate in faith and live by faith is rare. So even though there might be a lot of people online now and doing podcasting and doing all these sorts of things, I understand that I have a unique calling on my life and not, not everyone believes the way I do and that there's a need for it in the world, especially now concerning, you know, how the world and how the church leaders and things like that have responded to this situation. And I just really felt stirred by the Holy Spirit. And I really felt a particular message that the Lord put upon my heart to share with you on this episode of the podcast. And um, it's needed. It's really needed. This generation, this current state of the world needs this kind of message. And I'm proud of my family and I'm proud of my father. I'm proud of, you know, my cousins, my uncles, all the people you know, our friends that know our family, all the people that have stood up for the gospel and for, you know, what we have rights to in this country. And uh, I think it's about time I threw my hat in the ring and, you know, put out a message there even for young people about faith. And that's why I chose for this podcast and entitled it, Oh Faithless Generation. And Oh Faithless Generation is a reference to a quote from Christ in Mark chapter 9. And that's where I'm going to begin in today's podcast. And before I go much further, I just want to give a fair warning that today's podcast might come off as offensive to some people. And um, that's okay. You know, you have a right to be offended. You have a right to be upset at what I believe, but I believe what I believe. And part of the reason why God called me at a young age is because he knew that one day, Even when opposition comes, even when there's people out there that disagree with you and honestly even hate what you have to say, you say it anyway because it's true and you know what the Word of God says. And so today I'm going to be preaching to you from the Word of God and everything I'm going to say is going to be from the Word of God. It's not going to come from my personal opinion. It's not going to come from what I think or what I, you know, in my own mind, but it stems from the Word of God and that's where my preaching is going to come from. So, you know... Fair warning, this is not for sensitive people. This message is not for people that take offense very easily. You know, so listen with caution. (laughs) 
so before we begin, I just want to read to you the key text for this podcast and where I'm getting what I'm getting from. So I want you to go to Mark chapter 9 if you have a Bible, or if you just want to know the reference, my reference that I'm reading from is Mark 9, and I'm going to begin in verse 14 and read until verse 19. The Bible says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. I chose this text and this quote from Christ for this podcast about faith because I think it's a, te- a text and story that depicts perfectly the current state of the world and the response of the leaders in the church. That there's a man, the Bible says, with a mute spirit, a demonic spirit, an evil spirit that controls him, that makes him convulse, that makes him foam out the mouth, that makes him do all sorts of wild things. And the Bible says that when they came to Jesus and they told him the situation that was going on and how the disciples could not cast out the evil spirit, Jesus responded and he rebuked them. And he said, O faithless generation, how long shall I bear with you? Why did Jesus call them faithless when they couldn't cast out the evil spirit? Well, it's because that the only reason the disciples couldn't cast out the spirit was because of a lack of faith, nothing else. Why? Because faith is what unlocks what God has made available to us. You know, you can go throughout the whole Bible. You can see every promise, everything that God has made available to the believer. But if you don't have faith, then none of those things apply. Why? Because faith is how we access all the things that belong to us as children of God. You know, you can go throughout the line of things that God has made available. Healing, uh, deliverance, salvation, all of those things. But even when it comes to something that... Christians might seem as like the the base thing, the you know the easiest thing to acquire salvation. That cannot even be acquired without faith, because the Bible says that in order to be saved, you have to believe in your heart, which is faith, and then confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then you'll be saved. So even when it, when it comes to something like salvation, you can't receive salvation without faith, without believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead. So without faith, you can't access what God has promised. So even if healing which it is a covenant right of the believer, even if healing belongs to you, even if all these things belong to you, if you don't have faith, none of them will be activated and you'll experience none of them. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So then the question becomes, how do I require this faith? How do I acquire the thing that unlocks the benefits of God's word to me? Let me tell you, You don't acquire faith by anything else but by the word of God. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Meditating upon the word of God. Believing the word of God. 
That's the method in which we acquire faith. And from my point of view, from what I've seen during this whole pandemic, this whole crazy situation in the world, I've seen the church and its leaders respond in fear. You know, if you look into that Mark 9 text, it doesn't say that it was unbelievers that couldn't cast out the evil spirit and the mute spirit. It doesn't say that it was people that hated God. It doesn't say that it was people that were had evil intentions or that were wicked. It says that it was the disciples, the supposed church leaders that Jesus was teaching and developing. They were the ones that couldn't cast out the evil spirit. And that's the perfect depiction of what's happening in the world, that church leaders, people that are supposed to be spiritual authorities, are responding to this thing in fear and are having no faith, becoming faithless, that they are exchanging the truth of God's word for a lie, that intending to become wise, they instead have become utter fools. You know, I recently ordered a book off of Amazon that I read as a teenager and it changed my life. And it's the best book on divine healing that I've ever read. And I'm going to read a part of it uh, to you in a second. But the book is Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne, a great man of God who's now with the Lord, who had one of the greatest healing evangelistic ministries ever. And uh, he preached for many, many years, went all over the globe and had many, many miracles and signs and wonders in his meetings and in his services. And I want to read to you a portion from the book uh, because it's powerful and it goes along right with what I'm going to be talking about today. So before we get any further, I want to read to you from this book. He says, Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith is never derived through sympathy. Faith never comes through discussing with people their plans and aches, their pains and aches, weaknesses and sicknesses. Faith is born when we hear the word of truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. He is the truth. If we want to see people delivered from the bondage of disease, we must teach them the part of God's word that sets them free from disease. The truth is Christ's will is for every person to be healed or he would not have taken the stripes by which we were healed. Then you might ask me, though, why do not more people get healed? The answer, because of the lack of teaching and preaching the Bible truth of divine healing. Let us not stand by the bed of sick people to sympathize with their pain. Let us not insinuate that it must be God's will to take them or that it will teach them patience or that perhaps they will be drawn closer to the Lord through their sickness and disease. Let us rather declare war on every form of sickness and disease and take authority over every form of demon power through the name of Jesus Christ. Let us minister deliverance to those in need of healing. If salvation is for all people, then healing is for all people. We are never in doubt as to God's willingness to save the most hopeless human being. Why can we be so certain? Because we have been taught the Bible truth in this regard. We have been taught from childhood that salvation is for all who believe. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Had we been taught the truth 
in regard to healing for the body as positively as we have been taught the truth in regard to spiritual salvation, people would believe for healing in the same way that they believe for regeneration and salvation. If God worked miracles and healed in times past, but will not do the same today, it must be that he is a God who was and not a God who is. But the Bible says, I am the Lord who heals you right now. God is saying, I am the Lord who heals you. Tomorrow, God will be saying the same exact thing. He will be healing the sick who look to him tomorrow. There is no maybe. He heals all who come to him believing his promise. Because of your faith, it will happen. Matthew 9, 29. So ask in faith without wavering. James chapter 1 in verse 6. So we can see by the word of God and by what the man of God wrote in this book, that divine healing isn't reserved for a select amount of people. That divine healing is not something that you pray and it's like a lottery chance that when you pray, God will hear your prayer and heal your body. Healing is available and is a covenant right to all the believers of God. It's available to you and me as his children. It's available to everyone who calls upon his name. But without faith, you can't access what belongs to you. Divine healing, listen, is available to 100% of the body of Christ. It's available to every single person that believes. But if you don't have faith that that healing, that divine healing belongs to you as a child of God, then you'll never experience it. Just like if you don't believe that salvation is for you, just like if you don't believe that prosperity is for you, you will not have the thing that you don't have faith to believe, period. Faith is what activates the will of God in your life. Faith is what releases everything that God has for you to you. So why and when did the church abandon the biblical promise of divine healing? Did all it take was this virus, this pandemic, to make Christian leaders and pastors back off of the promise of divine healing that's in our Bible? Is all it took was one, you know, virus that's like, you know, whatever, one virus, one thing from from the hell, one thing from the enemy to make you change your doctrine, change your theology, change everything that you believe about divine healing. That's all it took. That grieves my heart. That divine healing has been abandoned in exchange for the wisdom of the world. That, you know, if you still go to church, you're a fool, you're a radical, you know, you're just one of those Christians that handles snakes and talks to people, and, you, know, you know, all this crazy stuff, saying that, you know, if you're still believing in divine healing, if you'd still believe that God is who he said he was, if you still are having church during this time, then you want people to be sick, you want people to be hurt. No, but I believe that church is not only a place where people can be healed, but you're telling me that church is now a place where sickness and disease festers and spreads to people. That's insane. That is the most anti-biblical, non-word-rooted statement of all time. That not only is church not the place where you can go to be healed, but it's the place that if you go, there's a higher percentage that you'll be sick. What a lie from hell. It's a lie from the devil. And the response of Christian leaders to the virus is an insult to the work and body of Christ, period. 
All it took was one virus for everyone to change their opinion about God's word, to change their stance on divine healing, to say, well, God will heal some, but not heal all. Let's just use wisdom and hide in our homes and preach on our laptops. And that's what we have to do. That's the response that Jesus would do. No, Jesus lived at a time where there were leper colonies, a disease, leprosy, that was so bad and contagious that just walking through a leper colony, or if a leper walked past in your city, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, to warn people that there was a leper passing through because it was so contagious. And Jesus didn't tell people to hide in their homes and wait for the leprosy to go away and just wait for all the lepers to die off and then we can go back into society. No, Jesus went to the leper colony. Jesus laid hands on the lepers and healed them of their disease. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't hide. Faith sees the problem, gets up on the bow of the ship and rebukes the winds and the waves and the storms of life and tells it, peace be still. Because faith doesn't stay on the underneath part of the boat and do nothing. Faith gets up on the bow of the ship and rebukes the storms of life and tells the world to get in line with the word of God. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't cower and bend its knee and turn tail and run. Faith fights. Faith is a fight. It's a fight of faith. Faith approaches the problem and the issue and tells it to get in line with the word of God. The response of Christian leaders has been grieving to my heart that they've abandoned the biblical promise of divine healing and protection that's clearly stated in the word of God. And they've hid and they've preached in their SpongeBob pajamas and they've done all these things trying to be wise, trying to be accepted, trying to be approved by men. But that's not what preachers do. Preachers don't seek the approval of men. They proclaim and demonstrate the power of God in their generation. That's what a preacher does. Divine healing is not reserved for a select few people. It's not reserved for a select few believers. Divine healing is not a lottery number or a random chance or something that applies to some people but not to all. Divine healing is a covenant right for all who believe and available to all who take hold of it by faith. Since when did divine healing become optional in the kingdom of God? Since when did a part of what Christ accomplished on the cross become null and void? All it took was this virus for you to back off of what the word of God says about divine healing. That's all it took. You need to get a backbone. You need to get faith in your spirit again. You need to get fire in your gut. And I'm not saying that these people are evil. I'm not saying that these people you know, are, are whatever. I'm not saying that they have evil intentions or that they're wicked, but I'm saying that they've lost sight of the word of God and they need to get faith back in their spirit. Because if all it takes is this virus for you to back down upon a, a simple and profound, powerful truth of God's word, then I am very concerned that when things really hit the fan, when the end times agenda of the Antichrist and the one world system comes into play, I have very low faith that you won't bow to what they say to do then if you bow, you're bowing to what they're saying to do now. Very low faith. Get a backbone. Get a fight in your spirit. Get a, a faith that's like fire in your bones that says no matter what people think, no matter what the world calls me, no matter if they think I'm foolish, no matter if they think I'm a radical, I would rather be a fool for God than to be the wisest person in the earth. Because this earth is not my home. 
I seek a different country. I'm going to a place called heaven where there is no sickness and where there is no disease. And when I approach God and I meet God face to face, I don't want to have to apologize for how I responded during this time on the earth. And I believe a lot of pastors are going to have to apologize to God for how they reacted and responded to this pandemic. We live in a world where everyone is afraid to stand upon their convictions because of the possibility of offending someone. Jesus, listen, Jesus offended people so much in his ministry that they crucified him on a cross. You understand that? You understand that Jesus didn't get crucified because everyone was his friend. Jesus didn't get crucified because everyone agreed with what he preached. Jesus was crucified because when he preached, he preached a message that either convicted people or encouraged people. You know, my grandfather, who was a mighty man of God, one of the things he used to say was, if when you preach, people don't either feel convicted or encouraged, you haven't even preached. Why? Because preaching, good preaching, should provoke a reaction from people. Good preaching is provocative. It either encourages you and convicts you to change your way of thinking and to get right with God, or it encourages you that you're on the right path with God and that you're doing the right thing. That's preaching. Preaching is not motivational speaking. Preaching is not doing what pop culture wants you to do. Preaching is not going with what's popular on social media. Preaching is going against the grain. Preaching is kicking against the standards and the expectancy of the world. Preaching is doing something that calls people out on their junk and calls them to repent and, and pray to a holy God. That's what preaching is. Preaching doesn't go in line with what the world's doing. Preaching does the exact opposite. It goes in the exact opposite direction. Get a backbone. Get faith. Get a fight in your spirit. We have the ultimate weapon for a spirit of fear upon the world. You know, with this whole spirit of fear manifesting everywhere and on everyone, it seems, you know, you can't go to a grocery store without feeling the anxiety thick in the room, thick in the grocery store. It's insane. It's like you're going to get like rations during World War II. You can feel the fear on people. But we have the ultimate weapon against fear. And what is that? It's called faith. Fear and faith are diametrically opposed to one another. You can't have them both at the same time. You can't be full of faith and full of fear. You can't be full of fear and full of faith. There are two diametrically opposed things. The Bible says that any decision or choice made outside of faith is sin to God. So you tell me, honestly, when you think about it, were the decisions made by church leaders and pastors to shut down their churches and lock the doors and keep people at home, were those decisions made by faith or were they made by fear? I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. Look within your heart. Honestly answer the question. Was that decision made by faith to shut the church down or was it made by fear of the virus? Because if it was made in fear, then it's sin to God. So not only do pastors need to get a backbone, but they should get on their knees and repent before a holy God and apologize for abusing and dismissing divine healing from the word of the Lord. Because that belongs to the child of God. And no pandemic, no virus can say otherwise. God can heal a common cold just as easy as stage four cancer if you have the faith for it. There's not levels of diseases. You know, God's word wasn't active before the virus, and then when the virus happened, it became into question because of how bad the virus was. 
God's word is true. Despite anything, it's power, more powerful than anything. God's promise of divine healing applies to all sicknesses and diseases. Now, you can go to the Old Covenant. When God told the people of Israel when they were leaving Egypt, three million people, most Bible scholars believe. God spoke to them and he said that if you would live holy and you would worship me and no other gods, I would remove sickness and disease from your camp and there shall not be one weary among you. Three million people. And the Bible says that there was not one feeble among them. There was not one weak person in their tribes when they were leaving Egypt. And if that's in the old covenant, if God can make three million people sit, uh, free of sickness and disease and strong in their body, if God can do that in the old covenant under an inferior covenant that didn't even have Christ's blood involved, then how much more does the healing and divine healing of God belong to the believer now through the Christ and the high priest that we have in him? How much more? Yet pastors have abandoned it and believe that it doesn't apply to all people, that some people are going to struggle with it, that some people need to stay home. Why? Because you don't have the faith to believe that God's a healer. It's all about your faith. It's all about your faith because God's will and God's way of doing things have already been declared in his word. They're final. God's not a liar. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his promises still stand. His promises will never change. God will never, never go back on his word of divine healing. You know, it's not like divine healing was ours before the virus, and then when the virus happened, God was like, oh man, I never thought that would happen. I got to revoke this promise of divine healing. No, it's about your personal faith because God's will and word is already recorded in this book, but your faith will activate what portion of it you'll walk in. And your fear, pastor, that closes your church down is probably the reason why people are in sickness because sin and sickness go hand in hand. They always have throughout scripture. So if your fear is not only causing people to not be healed, but fear causes people to be sick, that's even scientifically proven, that fear, worry, and anxiety can cause your body to suffer diseases and problems that it wouldn't have otherwise. Fear causes things that shouldn't happen. Faith causes the things of God's word to be made active and alive in the life of a believer, period. Don't back down from divine healing. Don't back down from divine healing. Divine healing belongs to the child of God. Any decision or choice outside of faith is a sin to God. Well, Preston, you know, what you're saying is well and good, but it's very harsh. And, you know, you faith people, it seems like you don't have love, blah, blah, blah. I do have love. And I, and I believe what you believe. I believe that you should operate in love. But understand this, love corrects. Love rebukes, because I don't know who raised you, but the mom and dad that raised me, if I got out of line or I did something that I wasn't supposed to do, if I got out of control, if I was disrespectful, if I was going in the wrong way of life, they would rebuke me because they love me. They would correct me because they love me. A parent that doesn't love their child doesn't discipline their child, period. But this generation is under the opinion that you have to agree with everybody to love them. You have to believe what they believe in order to love them, that you can't disagree. You can't have a different opinion. You can't be educated in something different and ha hold a different uh, viewpoint on something. You have to just go off the flow. You just have to be this mindless zombie sheep that believes what everyone else believes and you can't go against the grain. 
I'm sorry, but I'm a preacher. And when God called me, you didn't call me. God called me to preach, and I'm going to preach despite what anyone else thinks. If I lose friends, if I lose relationships, if, I th- if there's people that are aggravated at what I believe by faith, that's fine. Because I would rather be a fool for God than to be a wise person in this world. Because this world is not my home, and it's not where I'm going. Love corrects. Love corrects. And most of the time, what people interpret as offense is really conviction. And this generation can't d- differentiate between the two. Offense is not, is different from conviction. Most of the time when people are offended, they actually feel convicted, but they don't want to admit the conviction that they feel. And the person, it's actually on the opposite end. Because the person who actually hates you, the person that doesn't care about you, will never tell you if you're doing something wrong. They don't. People that don't really care about you will never correct you because they don't care what you do or what you don't do because they don't really love you. So it's actually the opposite because the person that will correct you and rebuke you and get you back in the word of God and get faith back in your spirit, that's the person that loves you. The person that just lets you do whatever you want, the person that lets you drink poison and lets you go be led astray and doesn't say in a word, that person doesn't love you. The person who hates you will actually let you go the wrong way without saying anything. You know, there's a quote from Rick Warren that I love. If you don't know who Rick Warren is, he's a pastor in California. And he said this, he said, Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first lie is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear them or hate them. The second lie is that to love someone... To love someone means you agree with everything they believe or what they do. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. You know, that's true. That's absolutely true. This generation thinks that in order to love me, you have to approve and love and agree with every lifestyle choice that I make. That if I'm in sin, you just have to love me anyway and you have to agree with me. No, I can love you and not agree with you. I can love you and hold a different uh, standpoint on a subject. I can love you but still stand on the word of God. I can love you but still claim divine healing from me and my family. There's not a choice you have to make between those two things. You know, you think about this analogy and example. If you were a parent and your child was playing on train tracks and there was a train coming that was going to come and take your child out, you know, and you were watching this happen and you were like, you know, you know, Lucy, get off the train tracks. Can't you see a train's coming? You're in trouble. You know, you would be a fool if your child responded and said, no, mom, no, dad, I'm not going to get off these train tracks. I'm having too much fun. You know, you would be a fool to let that be like, you know, uh, she's having fun. She's not doing anything wrong. That train will be fine. She's not going to be in any danger. No, that's a foolish parent that hates their child. The, ch- the parent that loves their child won't even listen to their child's opinion about whether to stay on the train tracks. They'll run full sprint, grab their child, drag them by their feet if they had to, if they have to, and get them out of harm's way because love corrects. Love rebukes. Love does something that you know, they see the problem and they correct the problem and they get them out of danger because they love that person. You have to get that understood in this generation. Offense is not conviction. They're different. You probably feel conviction, not offense. You know, you can go to Paul when he exhorted Timothy on how to preach. And he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, you rebuke, you exhort, then you teach. That's preaching. Teaching is not motivational speaking. Preaching is 
is not telling people what they want to hear all the time. Preaching most of the time calls people out first. It rebukes and then it exhorts and then it teaches. But nowadays, all preachers do is exhort, 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 exhort. There's no teaching and there's no rebuking. All it is is a pat you on the back, you're doing great. You know, they get up there in their flannel shirt and their square rim glasses that they don't need and their skinny jeans and their no socks and their toms and they preach five steps to a cleaner kitchen like it's going to change anything. They don't change anything. They're not even preachers. They don't stand on any faith. They don't have backbones. That's why they comply with the government, probably because they're taking money from the government to even have their church open in the first place. That's not the kind of preacher I'm going to be. That's not the kind of believer I want to be. And I hope it's not the believer or the person that you want to be either. We believe in the word of God. We stand on divine healing. We stand on faith. We don't bow to fear. We don't bow. We, in, you know, in the time of Haman, we don't bow. We're like Mordecai. In the time of Nebuchadnezzar, we're like the Hebrew children. We don't bow to the golden calf. You know, we're like people in the time of World War II and Hitler when he was doing what he was doing. We don't bow to evil men that say to do things that go against our word that we've gotten from God. We abide by this book and we stand on faith, period. Preaching is rebuking, exhorting, then teaching. Not exhorting, exhorting, exhorting. Not you're doing everything right, you're doing everything right, you're doing everything right. That's not a preacher. A preacher will get you back to faith. A preacher will get you back to the cross. A preacher will get you back to your first love. Preaching will call you out on your junk. It's called the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Most people think they're upset when really they're convicted. And just because me and my family don't do what 95% of Christians do doesn't mean that, you know, we're insane and that we don't care about people, we don't love people, and we think the virus is fake. The virus is real. The virus is real. The virus is 100% real. But so is cancer, so is AIDS, so are any sorts of sicknesses and diseases. But just because that virus is real doesn't change the word of God. It doesn't change the fact that divine healing belongs to me. It doesn't change the fact that the Bible says make no decision out of fear. Make every decision by faith. It doesn't change that text. It doesn't change that scripture. That scripture still stands. We don't operate in fear. We operate by faith and peace and love and a sound mind. That's the spirit that God gave us. And the spirit of the world is a spirit of fear. But the spirit that God gives his children is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The people that get upset at what people preach, what I preach, what my family preaches, don't have a problem with me. They have a problem with the word of God. Because the word of God says what it says, and it's not going to change. It's the same. And what happens in the world shouldn't change your doctrine about what it says. Anything preached outside of the word of God is powerless and produces nothing. Everyone's preaching out of humanism. Everyone's preaching about concepts that have nothing to do with the word of God, what their own opinions are, what their own philosophy is, what their own thoughts are on the situation. That's not what you should be preaching. What you should be preaching is the word of God, faith, that God's a healer, that he wants to heal all, that he protects his people. That's what I want to preach. That's what you should preach. Preach faith. Don't hide and preach in your Spongebob pajamas about how we should stay home and lock the doors of the church. You'll answer to God for it one day. You will. 
anything preached outside of the word of God is powerless, produces nothing, and generates zero faith. And if it doesn't produce faith, if it doesn't generate faith, if it isn't spoken by faith, then God is not pleased, period. You know, there are churches right now that are allowed to open under their governing orders over their politicians telling them that it's all right, and they're still closed. They're still closed, even though they're allowed to open, even though they have permission from their government to open. The same people that in the beginning of this whole thing use Romans 13 as the excuse as to why they're closed. And then when the governor tells them to open up, they use they think Romans 13 doesn't apply anymore. They're a double-minded man. They're a double-minded person. And a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They don't even know what they believe. They use Romans 13, and then when the government allows them to open up, they still won't open. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just in a spirit of fear. They're controlled. They're in bondage to fear. How faithless do you have to be when even your own secular sinful government tells you that you're allowed to open and you're still at home? How faithless are we? How faithless is this generation? Fear says there is no solution to the problem. But faith says that I am the solution to the problem. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Thank you for listening to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. To stay connected with Preston and for booking information, make sure to follow him on social media on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming ministry website. For more episodes, please subscribe and make sure to come back here every Friday for brand new weekly content.